Hello, hello. Hey, good to see you. Oh, man, dude, you're going to be. Hey, we got a guest speaker tonight, and I want you guys to give it. Oh, that's not why you're up here? All right, next time, next time. All right. Hey, what's going on? How, how is everybody tonight? I'm trying to figure out. I'm kind of in a weird spot right now. And so I like, as a pastor, I have this like sixth sense. You know what I mean? Anybody else have a sixth sense? Right? It's not a spidey sense. It's very similar though. It's like a Sam sense. And I could like stick my soul into the crowd and I'm kind of like this feeling around and I can kind of get a gauge for the room. And right now, it's almost like something is hindering my senses. I can't tell if you guys are awake. I can't tell what's going on. Is there something in like school right now that's like hindering you guys? Is there something that's like stealing your energy? Oh, is it finals? Is it not finals right now? Oh, man. I was like, my senses are right. There is something hindering you. We have state test. Anybody doing state testing? All right. Any, any district track runners in the house? Anyone going to districts? All right. I'll see. Nobody raising their hand is actually going to districts. I'm a fool for everyone else. You're going? I'll see you there. I'll be there tomorrow. But good evening. Good evening. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. I'm glad that you're here. My name is Sam. Uh, if you're new to Citizens, welcome. I'm glad that you're here. It's good to see you. Uh, if this is your first time, I need you to come and find me afterwards so I can give you the VIP treatment, all right? I'll hook you up. We got some candy, some soda, because all jokes aside, we're glad that you're here. So seriously, welcome, welcome. Good to see you. Um, Here's what we do here, right? For those of you who don't know, we're a community. We're a group of friends. We're growing in our community, and we want to learn to live for Jesus. And so that's why we do things a little bit differently here. You saw that right in the middle of our gathering, it's almost like we just called a timeout, and we're like, timeout, let's connect, right? Because it'd be so weird for you to come and be like, I'm going to sit next to you the entire time, but I can't talk to you because this is church, right? It's like, no, hey, dude, we're friends. I'm glad you're here. And so now what we're going to do is just as important, if not more, and we're going to open up our Bible. So how many of you guys brought your Bibles? All right. If you don't have a Bible, you can slip to the back. We have Bibles around. Open up your Bibles. Grab your sermon notes. Everybody should have a pen or some sermon notes on the chairs because we're going to dig in tonight, all right? Right behind you there. Boom. Right there, right? I want to tell you guys a story. As you open up, shh, shh, as you open up to Philippians chapter 1, I'm going to tell you a story about a young man who grew up on the streets of Agrabah. He grew up on the streets of Agrabah with his pet monkey. And now this young man did not have a lot going for him, to be honest. This young man would spend his days wandering the streets. He would spend his days outwitting the palace guards. He would spend his days stealing his food because he had no money. You could say that this young man was a street rat. This young man's bad luck was so bad that one day, one day he rescued a girl. How noble, right? He rescued a girl. No, bad luck. The girl ended up being the princess and he was indicted for kidnapping. Bad luck. This guy had nothing going for him because just when he thought he couldn't hit rock bottom, he ended up in prison. He was tricked in prison to escape prison to end up in a different kind of prison. And he was tricked into going into a little place called the Cave of Wonders. 
and he entered into a cave, and again, his bad luck got even worse, because as he was in the cave, the entire place melted, collapsed around him, and trapped him underground. Anybody know this story? Aladdin. Aladdin. Story of my life. I'm hoping that was not your biography. <laughs> that was... Any, any characters that are resembled in this description are not, fic, are not nonfiction, right? No, he, uh, this man is named Aladdin. And so Aladdin was my favorite movie growing up because he had what every little boy, and probably every little girl, but I just can't speak from experience, you know what I mean? And so he had what every little boy wanted. Three wishes. He had three wishes, and this was my favorite movie because what, this is what we would talk about, right? This is like, goes to show you the life of a fourth grader when you're watching Aladdin. Because we were, like, so cool, you know? We'd be at school, and we feel deeply, you know? Like, we, like, we feel so deeply we talk about real things like this. Like, if you were Aladdin, what three wishes would you have, right? Nobody ever have those conversations? That's, that's, all the boys are like, yeah. I mean, just what an idea if you could ask for three things, any three things, what would they be? And so we would talk about three more wishes, right? I think there was actually fine print. The genie was like, you can't raise anybody from the dead, you can't make people fall in love with you, and like you can't get more wishes. So I think that was in the fine print. Um, I'm not a Disney geek or anything, right? <laughs> but it fascinated me to, uh, to think, if I could ask for three things, what would they be? Three things. Three things. And so tonight, friends, here's what we're going to do. We're going to do something very different tonight. In a few moments, we're going to stand up, we're going to spread around the room. We're going to get into little groups. And we're going to pray for each other. That's what we're going to do today. We're going to spend our evening praying for each other. And as we do, we're going to ask for three things. And no, no, no. We're not asking the genie for wishes, okay? We're going to spend time in prayer to God. And we're saying, God, we want three things. And the three things that we're going to ask for today, we find it in our text. And so look in your Bibles with me. Philippians chapter 1. This is Paul's prayer starting in verse 9. Check it out. And it is my prayer that your love may abound more and more with knowledge and all discernment so that you may approve what is excellent and so be pure and blameless for the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. That's God's word. What we're doing right now, friends, I'm not reading you my thoughts. I'm not reading you a fictional book. So I'm going to ask for your respect here, right? This is a very important part of our message. As we're looking at God's word, we're saying, God, what would you say to us? God, shape our community. And it's my belief, friends, that we're not simply reading about a book that was written to people thousands of years ago. This is God's word to us right now. And so ask yourself, God, what will you say to me? Let's look at this verse again. Verse 9. It is my prayer. Can you guys hear me? Am I on? Test check. Test check. Raise the roof. Okay. And it is my prayer that your love may abound more and more. The first thing that we're praying for tonight, friends, the first thing that we will pray for ourselves and for each other is number one, abundant love. I grabbed the wrong part of the sticky. Come on, man. The first thing we're praying for tonight, abundant love. Everybody say, aww. That's love right there. You see that? The fact that we made that illustration is love. It's a little bit crooked, but we're all crooked. 
there's meaning behind everything, right? The first thing we're praying for is abundant love. And so when I read this, I look at that, I go, man, he's praying for love, but it makes me ask the question. Perhaps I may even sing the question. What is love? No, <laughs> stop, right? Stop it! I just got it out of my head yesterday, right? What is love? Right? I'll do the performance later. But listen, he's praying for love in the Philippians. He says, it's my prayer that your love may abound. And so it leads us to ask the question, what is love? What is love? We use that, we use that word for everything, right? It's like people come up to you and they go, dude, I love my friends. I love my parents. And you're like, oh. That's so sweet. I love pizza. I love video games. You're like, eh, time out, what? Like, if that's the same word, are you calling me a greasy snack and a game to be played? Like, wait, what? We love, we, we understand that if you tell your parent you love them, and then you look at the cake that you're eating and you go, I love you, there's probably a difference there, right? If there's not, we can talk afterwards. But we realize that there's different meanings of love. There's different kinds of love. And so we need to figure out what kind of love is Paul praying for? What kind of love are we going to pray for in our, in our group today? And so here's the most common kind of love that you and I deal with. This is the kind of love that is parading through your schools. The kind of love that you see on your Disney shows and television shows and YouTube channels. This is what I call Romeo love. All right? How many people know what Romeo love is? All right? Romeo love, all right, I guess we'll just walk them all down. Romeo love is, I, I call it Romeo love. If you ever missed it, you can go back and listen to the sermon. But I actually reenacted. It was my debut for my acting career. And I reenacted an entire scene from Romeo. Because he's sitting there going, he broke up with this girl, right? And you're like, yo, I respect that, Romeo. Yeah, I resp I, I've been there, yo. I've been there. And he's sitting here like, I will never love again. My eyes will never know beauty. I'm dying. And then his boy's like, yo, Romeo, I know what'll lift you up. Let's go to the party. And he's like, I can't go to the party. I'm like reenacting it all over again. You like how I'm slipping this in there, right? I can't go to the party. I'm heartbroken. He's like, yo, Romeo, dog, it'll get you feeling good. Fine, but I won't enjoy anything. The bread will turn to dust and the music will hurt my ears. And he walks in and he's sitting here like, woe is me. And who walks in? Juliet walks in, dog's like, Burrow? looks at Juliet, and he goes, my eyes have never known love before now. Oh, doth the stars bless me, because now I know beauty. And it's just like, Romeo, you're tripping, man. You just broke up with your girl at lunchtime, and by dinner time, you're back on the prowl, man, right? This is Romeo love. And so let's walk it down. When we say love, a lot of times we mean this feeling, right? We just look at someone, we look at them, and we get these, like, warm fuzzies, like, Ooh, I, just, I love you. I just I love you. And it's just this, it's feeling based, right? I, ooh, right? Some of you even do the shakes. Just in my, mm, I, lo I love you. I love, you just say it over. I love, 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 love. I love you. Just, it's like, okay, yeah, I, I think he loves me. I love you, right? And it's just based on this feeling in our heart because we have warm fuzzies and our tummies feel nice. And really, it's more of a selfish love. It's more of a selfish love because when you look at someone, right? Ladies, I hope you're listening, right? Because there's a lot of Romeos out there, right? Hey, man, what? He's saying something. A lot of Romeos out there, ladies, all right? I got your back, ladies. I got your back. Me and Jake and Jordan Paris, we're here to dominate the Romeos and convert them to be Christians. But um, 
That will be at summer camp. But anyway, listen. Yeah, the guys are like, shut down. You're right. And so listen, I'm so off track right now. We, can we start over? Let's start at the top. Let's start at the top. Listen, all right? Listen. It's feeling-based. A lot of times we look at people and we go, I love you. And really what we love is the way it makes us feel. It's selfish. It feels good to have people that I can say I love and actually they reciprocate it. And so it makes me feel, it's selfish. It's fleeting. I love you. And then you get into a fight and you're like, you're dead to me. <laughs> Was that love? You said love like a million times in that text message and there were a lot of emojis. But now, like next week, we're not even friends. Was that love? Yeah, it was. It was Romeo love, right? It was fleeting. It's empty. It's empty. It's like, imagine, how many people need money? Anybody need money? I got you right now. I'm going to write you a check. I'm going to write you a check right here. Ready? $1,000. Bring that to the bank. Anybody want this check? Right? Yeah, yeah, here you go. It's a check. Yeah, yeah. You need $1,000? I just wrote you a check. Pass that back, right? Bring that to the bank. What are you going to get at the bank with that? They're in sixth grade. They don't know any better. High schoolers, what are you going to get at the bank with that, right? Nothing. It's empty. And then finally, it's immature. Romeo love is immature. It's the kind of love that you just, I'm here, and then I'm here, and then I'm everywhere, and it's just like, bro, grow up. That's Romeo love. Paul says, it's my prayer that your love may abound more and more. Is Paul talking about Romeo love? Is Paul saying to the Philippians, it's my prayer, I'm talking to God, because I want you to look at each other and go, warm fuzzies. <laughs> Is that what Paul wants, you think? Paul's not talking about Romeo love. You know what kind of love he's talking about here? It's called agape love. The word that he used here, it's agape love. If you're ever going to go off and start your rival youth group, you can call it agape. If you ever want to start a cafe, highly recommend the name. Uh, if you want to start a Christian shoe line, boom, agape swish, all right? It's great. It could also be a great after-school snack. Agape gushers, agape fruit rolls. Um, it's actually pretty sweet, that word. But let's look at it. Here's what agape is, okay? Here's what we're doing. It's not feeling-based. It's not going, oh, I like you. No, no, this kind of love, action. Action. This is the kind of love that when I come home from work and I go to my wife and go, oh, I missed you all day, I love you. Hey, can you help me? I'm really tired, can you take Micah? No, not that kind of love, right? Like, no, no, love says, I'm gonna do this for you. Why? Because it's not selfish, it's others focused. Agape love looks at another individual and says, you know what? I don't wanna help you right now, but I love you. Not because I have warm fuzzies, I actually don't even like you right now because you're inconveniencing me. But I'm gonna do it anyway because I love you, action-based, others focused. Number three, it's constant. It's constant. This is what we do in middle school and high school. We look at people, we meet new friends, and we instantly have the feeling, oh, dude, you're like my boy. Wait, we should be best friends. Matching t-shirts? Yes, right? And we're in, and we're there. And then like the next week, they like didn't text us back within 30 seconds. And then in the lunch line, they were talking to someone else. And then, and then I saw them with the new kid at school, and he's replacing me, and we just have these like we're so up and down, but real love is constant. It understands that life is up and down. It understands that circumstances change, but it says, hey, I'm not going anywhere. I could have told my wife forever, I love you, I love you, I love you. I didn't just tell her. I put a ring on it, all right? Cue the music, obviously. Why am I even doing this right now, right? 
I said, hey, I don't love you Romeo style. I love you in a way that I will be there constantly forever. The fourth thing, it's rich, all right? It's not like, it's not like a little flimsy piece of paper. It's, it gives meaning to your life. When somebody loves you with agape love, it's rich. And then finally, all that to say that it's mature. It's mature. Does this make sense? Paul says, I'm praying that you guys, citizens, I'm praying that you would love one another, that you would be a community characterized by love, not this fleeting, selfish love, but agape love, a love that will translate into something. Friends, this is my prayer for you this week. Young men, young women, I prayed this text over this week, and I'm praying, God, may they abound more and more in love. I'm not praying that you have more warm fuzzies that will go away after your disagreement in three weeks. I'm praying that you will have an others-focused love that will cause you to put other people's goods before yourself. That is the kind of love we're talking about. You know what, dude? Nah, that's not the kind of love he meant. He, he meant Romeo love. Paul, prove it. Paul meant Romeo love. I mean, I'm just gonna stick with the warm fuzzies and nothing else. No, friends, here's what we're doing. We're going through the book of Philippians right now, and as we go through, you're going to see that Paul meant this kind of love because he's going to point to the ultimate example of it in Jesus Christ. Friends, we're gonna get to Philippians chapter two, verses five through eight, where he says, Citizens, have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who though, being in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but made himself nothing, taking on the form of a servant, becoming obedient, even to the point of death. This is love, Christ, self-sacrifice. Christ gave himself up. He put your good before his own. This is agape kind of love. And so let me ask you, friends, as we pray for this right here, as we pray for abundant love in our youth group, as you pray for abundant love in the life of your friends and in the life of this community, in your own life, what would it look like? What would it look like if our community was overflowing in love? You know what it would look like? Action. It would look like students giving their money generously to the mission so that other people can know Jesus. It would look like action. Students stepping out of their comfort zone, welcoming other people in because it's really love. It would look like action. People not labeling other people based on their past experiences, but seeing them that Christ would see them. Loved and forgiven. This is the kind of love that Paul is praying would abound more and more. Remember this, all right? And so... I'm not saying you don't have love. I'm not saying that citizens is not a loving community. The Philippians were loving, right? Remember we talked about that week one? The Philippians had mad love for Paul. They were giving him money. They were sending people to make sure he was okay in prison. They just, they were, they were, they loved. But look what he says. He says, I pray that your love would abound more. But I do love more. Sam, we love more. DJ Cali style. He sees actions of love, and he's like, yo, Philippians, another one. Another one. Another one. I mean, that's what he's doing, right? He's like, love, I like that. <laughs> right? The Philippians already loved, but here's the important lesson we learn. He's praying that it would abound more and more, because, friends, you will never arrive at a point in your life where you check it off, and you go, love, check. 
patient? Oh, check. I'm graduating from high school. Check. No, no, friends, you can always grow. There's always more to grow. And so Paul, he says, Philippians, more, more. Citizens, more. Love each other. Action. Love. Look at the second thing we pray for, okay? Because our prayer today, you guys are going to get in your groups, and I don't want you to simply pray for love in this community. I don't want you to simply pray for your brothers and sisters that they would have abundant love. I also want you to add this to it. Look at the text. I, it's my prayer that your love may abound more and more with knowledge and all discernment so that you may approve what is excellent. And so check this out. Let's check this out. He says, yes, I want you to love each other. Yes, I want you to be a loving community. But to that, I want you to pray. I am praying for you for wise discernment. Wise discernment. That's the second thing we pray for. I want you to, I want you to abound in love, but I also want you to have knowledge. Hey, so tell me about the gospel. I don't know, but I love you. Uh, okay. Uh, but tell me more about truth. Hey, citizens, can you, can you tell me more about sin and life and God and the gospel? He says, I'm praying that you would grow in knowledge, meaning understanding. But then he also prays for discernment. Discernment's the ability to distinguish between different things. Have you guys heard that word before, discernment? Let me illustrate it for you. Imagine you're on a camping trip, right? Let's make it even better. Imagine you're stranded. Ah, uh, yeah, every guy perks up. They're like, oh, yeah, I'm ready. Hit me. I can do it. You're stranded in the woods, right, hours away from civilization, and you need to survive. And so all of you guys are like, I don't know what to do. And the men are like, we'll take care of it. And so the men go out, and they put together a bomb salad that night. They come home. Woo! They got greens for days. And they put this salad together, and everybody's like, wow, the men are so awesome. Thank you for bringing us a salad. Could you not get some meat? All right, but all right. So they bring them a salad. Hours later, you find yourself in the worst pain you have ever known in your life. Hours later, your insides and everything there wants to be on the outsides. You're in the worst pain you've ever experienced in your life, and all of a sudden, it hits you. I wish I had the ability to distinguish between edible plants and poison ivy. It hits you in more ways than one, but it hits you that you wish that you had knowledge and the ability to discern, to distinguish between the things that should go in your mouth and the things that shouldn't go in your mouth. It would have been very nice to have that knowledge and discernment. In the very same way, Paul is saying this, I pray that you would have the knowledge and the discernment, the ability to distinguish between the things that please God in your life and the things that don't please God. I pray that you would have the ability to distinguish between actions and lifestyle choices that are appropriate for one who has been saved by God and those that are not appropriate for someone who's been saved by God. There's some people, maybe you're one of these people, but there, there's certain people in life that it's almost like they need to be micromanaged by, by like rules. You guys know anybody like that? 
Like there's certain people that unless you tell them very, very specifically, don't do this, do this, never do that, don't do that, and definitely not that. Right? Those are the people that they go, okay, check. And then they do something stupid and they're like, but it wasn't in the rules. <laughs> but you didn't say that one. I listened to the rules. And it's like, do you need the rules? Like, do you not have the ability to tell the difference? Do you not have the ability to distinguish between things that are excellent, between things that are wise and good for you, and things that are not? Friends, what, what we're praying for each other tonight, what I want you to pray for each other, pray that we would have the knowledge and discernment so that you would know what's excellent. We don't use that word anymore, huh? Excellent. Unless you're talking about grades. But excellent, meaning superior, the best. Do you have the ability to distinguish between things that are excellent, between actions and lifestyle choices and decisions that are excellent? Or are you the kind of person that says, was it in the rules? All right, they didn't say we can't, so we'll do it. No, do you have that kind of discernment? That's what we're praying for. And let's look at the third thing. The third thing that he's praying for the Philippians, and it's actually a result of the first two, is this. Look what it says with me. So that you may approve what is excellent, and so be pure and blameless for the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through who? Through Jesus Christ, to the glory and praise of God. And so look what he says. He prays for love, Abounding love, abounding love, he prays for wise discernment so that they would have a Christ-like purity. You're like, what does that have to do with purity? I shouldn't have picked those up just then. That was a little bit, I jumped the gun, all right? For a Christ-like purity. But here's the point here. here. Here's why I have these shoes here, okay? Because when you use discernment to avoid sin... When you have love, abounding love, and you use discernment to distinguish between what is excellent and what is not as excellent, the result is you will live a lifestyle or you will walk in such a way that pleases God. Friends, if we're praying, God, give us love and give us discernment, the result will be you will walk on not on the path of wickedness, not on the path that leads to destruction, but you will be able to distinguish between which way you should go and which way you shouldn't go. He says that you will be pure. You will walk in a way that is pure. Like, not mixed, right? Like, like pure breed. Like, you won't be mixing worldliness and godliness. He says blameless. I, I mean, you know what that means. And so the idea is, he says, Lord, I pray that the Philippians would start living life in such a way that it sets them on a trajectory of purity, a trajectory of sinlessness, a trajectory of a lifestyle that is blameless so that one day you can stand before God pure and blameless and above reproach and that process of you becoming pure actually started now. And so he says, Lord, I pray that they would be ready for the day of Christ. Who knows what the day of Christ means? You're like, obviously, it's Sunday, right? No, no, the day of Christ, we got to talk about this. Can we, can we pause? We have to talk about this because this actually comes up several times in the book of Philippians. One of the most important elements of our faith is that Jesus is coming back. Do you guys know that? 
He came once and he said, I don't leave you as orphans. I'm coming back. He's going to bring this age to a close. And when he comes back, will he find you living the life that he told you to live? When Jesus comes back, will he find faith in you? Will he find you doing the things that he told you to do and living for him the way that he told you to live? Will we be ready for the day of Christ? And so he says, I want you to walk in such a way so that when the day of Christ comes, you're right there. You're right there, pure and blameless. But there's two shoes, okay? And this is important. There's two shoes because there's actually two halves to Christ-like purity. There's two halves. Listen to me here, okay? Check it out. Look what he says in verse 11. Filled with the fruit of righteousness. Everyone's like, fruit? I'm hungry. No, no, no. We'll get there. Filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ. There's two halves of Christ-like purity, friends. Because living for Jesus is more than the absence of sin. You need to hear this. Living for Jesus is more than the absence of sin. It's the presence of fruit. There's two halves here. It's the presence of fruit. And so here's the point, okay? We need to pray tonight. What I'm praying for you, what you're praying for each other, is not simply that we would avoid sin. I'm not praying that you would simply be good and don't sin and, and try not to mess up. No, no, we're praying that you would actually be filled with fruit of righteousness, that you would be uh, having actions and results and a lifestyle of doing good things. And so imagine you get to the day of Christ, all right? You're there. Shing, Jesus, all of his glory. You can't even look. You're, not even, you're, you're terrified. You actually fall on your face because you realize, holy cow, Jesus, you are so other. You are so higher than anything that I've ever thought of. And then he talks to you. And he says, what did you do while you were on earth? <laughs> and your response is, well, I didn't cuss, and I, I didn't do drugs, and, and I didn't have sex before marriage, and, and I didn't get drunk, and, and I didn't gossip, and I didn't do witchcraft, and I, I read all the rules, and I didn't do those. And he goes, no, 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 no. What did you do? And we realize here that when Paul is praying for purity, when a youth group is set on fire for the things of God, they are so much bigger than what they don't do. They are actually filled with fruit. They are filled with actions and lifestyles of doing good things. Do you see the difference? Christ-like purity is more than the absence of sin. It is the presence of fruit. And so he's praying that they would be a group that doesn't simply avoid sin, but they would be loving in their actions, that they would get along, that there would be a unity here, that they would be promoters of peace, that they would help those less fortunate. All of these fruit that come from righteousness, all of these fruit that Jesus Christ is producing in their midst. And so there's two halves of purity. And so here it is. These are the three things I want us to pray for. Abounding love, wise discernment, and Christ-like purity. And so here's how we'll conclude, okay? The band, you can come up in just a moment, just a moment. But I want us to look at this text today because you need to realize this, friends, because this is actually how you read your Bible, okay? This passage is not a series of commands, okay? This passage is not saying, citizens, eyes up here, be more loving, be more discerning, walk in purity, let's go home, right? Like, 
will actually get there. There are commands in the book of Philippians. He does give them in directives. But right now, what kind of passage is this? Who knows? What kind of passage is this? Pull up the text, verse 9. It is my prayer. What kind of passage is this? It's a prayer. And so here's a very important point that you have to understand, friends, because your growth is from God for God. Do you hear that? This is very important. Look what he says. He says, I'm praying that you would be more loving. I'm praying that you would have discernment. I'm praying that you would be pure and blameless. But he doesn't simply command you to do it. He asks God for it on your behalf. That's because your growth is from God for God. And so young men and women, if you're in here and you're trying to be more pure and you're trying to be more discerning in your actions, if you're trying to be more loving and you haven't stopped and asked God for those things yet, rewind. Rewind. How many people want to grow? Right? Like honestly, how many people want to become more like Christ? How many people have experienced salvation and God has started working in you and he's changing you to be more like his son? And you say, yes, please, right? So here's what we do, friends. And this is where we need to correct our understanding. This is where the Bible confronts us. Prayer is more than a nice gesture. Prayer is more than good manners. Hey, I'll pray that you get more pure, but you just gotta suck it up and do it. But I'll pray for you. No, no, prayer is more than good manners. Prayer is when you and I fall on our faces and we plead, God, please change me because my heart is sick. Prayer is when we come together and we say, God, please change me because I'm screwed up and I don't know how to make good decisions. God, please save me because I think I want to step in purity, but I always go this way. And if you're trying to produce fruit in your life and you're trying to change on your own, but you haven't yet asked God, tonight's the night. If you want to change and grow, you need to remember your growth is from God and for God. It's for God. Because look what happens here. The result is that people are going to see your life. Students, listen. Oh, man, students, you're messed up, Right? I'm going to the other youth group where the youth pastor tells me I'm perfect. No, listen, you're so messed up, and so am I. You don't have a loving heart. You know the heart you have? You have the heart of my 10-month-old who wants to do what he's not supposed to do, and when somebody else comes in the room, he smacks him in the face because the attention is on him, right? You have a heart that says, look at me. You don't have a selfless heart. Your heart is messed up. Your mind, I'm so mature. I'm a senior. I'm wise. I know good decisions. Squirrel, I mean, it's like you don't have the ability to discern good things. Friends, purity, I mean, sexual purity is something that we talk about all the time because it's rampant in our culture. You want to be sexually pure? God saves you, and you come to this point where you say, you know what, I want to live for Jesus. You go to school the next day, it's like a wave, right? Have you ever been there? You say, today's the day. I'm going to stand up for Jesus. I'm, I'm not messing up no more. It's over. I'm drawing the line here. You step, you go to school, and it's like, whoa. You're messed up. But before we get into the how, before we get into the what, before we get into the commands, we have to learn from Paul here. Your growth is from God and for God. 
and then God will change you. God works in your life. And those of you in here who are the most selfish people ever, something happens. You're not selfish anymore. Those of you people in here who people look at you and they go, he could not choose the right answer if it was staring at him in the face. You start to make wiser decisions. You start to distinguish things that are godly. And people look at you and they go, what? He's different. He's changing. And you know what? They're not going to think that it was your fault. They're not going to think that you made it happen on your own because they know you. <laughs> they're going to look at the change happening in you and they're going to conclude the only possible conclusion. God's doing something. Right? Right? Like imagine if you knew me and I have no ability to fix a toilet and your toilet is overflowing and you come home and I'm standing there like this and the toilet's fixed. You're going to go, I know Sam, so I'm going to have to give the credit to someone else on this one. Right? That's what it's like in your life. Your parents, your friends, your leaders, they look at you and they start to see spiritual growth and they go, ah, I know Kennedy. I don't think she was capable of this one. God's at work in her life. And they start to give the credit. They start to give the glory to God because they know you. Your growth is from God and it's for God. It's bringing glory to him. It's showing the world what he's done in your life. And so let's respond. This is what I want from you guys. I want us to pray. I want to, we can get into groups. The music will be playing. But get together, ladies, get together with each other. Guys, get together with each other. And I just want you to pray these three things. Pray. Take turns praying. Leaders, pray over students. And our response to this prayer today is to pray, God, give us abounding love. Give us wise discernment. <laughs> give us Christ-like purity. We need help. So stand to your feet. The band's going to come. I'm going to pray, and then we're just going to have some organized chaos, all right? We're going to break out into groups. Leaders find students. Students find each other. And, um, and we're going to pray, okay? Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word, God. Thank you that when we open it up and we read it and we pay attention, that you have a message for us, God. You want us to know you, and so you talk to us. I pray for these students tonight, God. I pray for this community that as we dive into the rest of the book, we would begin by realizing that you're working in us. You're willing things in our life. You're producing fruit in these students through Jesus Christ. You're in the midst of us, and you're working. So God, tonight we pray, not as a gesture, not as a token, not as a sign of manners, but Lord, we are genuinely falling on our faces and we're, we're genuinely desperate saying, God, please change me. Lord, I begin with myself, God. I know how broken I am. I know how twisted I am. I know that my heart's natural position is not selfless. It's selfish. So God, I join in the prayers, but I'm the first to pray. Lord, please change me. Change me, God. All of us, all of our words, Lord, are saying in different ways, the same basic prayer. God, change us. Because we know that our growth is from you and for you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.